why do you play games? 50% of the time, their response is to escape reality. I want to use games as something good and as something that can have meaning and purpose uh, and not just be uh, used to escape reality. As entrepreneurs, there's time you just want to curl up and be in the fetal position. The, the most rewarding thing was we built this game called the Eight Cell, where you can go in, it simulates going inside the body and fighting cancer and fighting disease. I'm Robert Atkins, and you're listening to Tech Legacies Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Legacies video podcast. I'm your host, Fanny Dunnigan, where I chat with technology executives and leaders as they share their career tips, advice, and lessons, as well as the challenges that they face throughout their career and share with you in the audience. Thank you for tuning in. So today, I am with Robert Atkins. Welcome, Robert. Thank you for joining me. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. Yes. So I kind of stumbled onto your website uh, through this conference that we're at. And what really sparked my interest and curiosity is this unique way of you combining the world of gaming with medical research and building upon that. Can you talk a little more about that and what that means? Yeah, so balanced media technology solves the dark data problem by crowdsourcing human intuition to train AI. And we do this through video games and crowd engagement. I've made video interactive entertainment and video games for 30 years. Uh, we spend a 10,000 hours by the time we're 21 years old playing games. Uh, My son certainly qualifies for that. <laughs> most of our kids do. Most of our grandkids do. It, yeah. It's it's not a matter if you play them. It's a matter of what games you play today. They're they're part of our world uh, in so many different ways, from education to entertainment. We spend 1.4 trillion hours playing games and watching gaming, like on Twitch. So our company, uh, when we started, was uh, what more can we do with this level of engagement mm. that advances humanity in a positive way? Uh, so we started to, we built a platform called Human, and we inject data and machine learning models into the gameplay loop. So while kids are playing Minecraft or, or you're playing a little game on your phone, you're actually helping do things like cancer research and our, our medical research. It's a problem, humans, a problem agnostic platform. So we can, we're moving into environmental research now uh, as well. So uh, we really want to get value out of those minutes that people are engaged so that games are no longer just an escape from reality. Mm -hmm. They're helping create a better one. How did you come up with that idea to marry these two sides that Normally, you don't see a connection between the two, research, medicine, and gaming. So that's a great question. So uh, our CTO, Dr. Corey Clark, had this idea around distributed computing and machine learning models around uh, uh, computers in general. And he wanted to connect that to video gaming and add that additional component of human interaction. So distributed grid computing is, 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 is out there. It's one of those things that, that has been around for a while that's used in the Internet of Things and cloud computing. 
Well, when we, what we do differently is we actually have a human sitting behind the computer putting input into that model as well. So the humans were harnessing the human capital uh, along with the, the, the distributed grid and so that we have those two things combined and what we've, know, what we've learned and what we've, we show in our work and our patents are around this is that we can jump machine learning and AI models exponentially when you add a human in the loop uh, to be able to help mentor and guide those models. And what are, uh, sorry, you go ahead, finish. Uh, I, and I was gonna say, you know, we're, so there's a lot of developers who want to make sure that they can take their, their talents and do more than just create product. And that was really the journey that I personally was on is I didn't want to just make product anymore that entertained only. I wanted to drive our industry toward doing other things with that engagement loop. And uh, so by adding these types of technologies with the human platform, now we created a completely new vertical that sits right inside the games, right inside of our technology so that Every, we, it should be all developers should be doing this where while you're in, having that engagement loop, now your audience can be doing something that they care about ultimately. And because people often are asked, like I, I go around, I see people playing their, their games in, in public and I ask like, what, what's your favorite game? People love talking about their favorite games. And then my second question is, well, why do you play games? Mm-hmm. And they, 50% of the time, their response is to escape reality. And so really, you know, as a developer, that was why I started this mission was I want to use games as something good and as something that can have meaning and purpose, uh, not just be uh, used to escape reality. And this, this ultimately will help the individual, the person who's playing that game, feel like they're connected to something meaningful. They can make a difference in cancer research because guess, guess what? Grandma died of cancer. Or they can, they're, they're on the coastline in South Louisiana and they could play a game that is helping, uh, you know, help with research around coastal restoration. And, and that is really how we can start to connect these experiences that we all enjoy through gaming to something more that actually can drive advancement uh, around these areas that need this research to be expedited in order for us to make impacts uh, sooner than later. So I often see, I'm quite curious, like, so gamers, a typical stereotype, let's say, right or wrong, of a gamer is uh, a young male um, playing games, right? Does that skew any of the results when you're, you know, modeling or their behavior, their things like that, um, through this platform and... Does that mean like other demographics aren't captured or like different age groups aren't captured or um, women aren't captured? Is that a fair question? In some ways, uh, because, uh, but I I will say this. So we don't, we're not capturing information about the individual player. Mm -hmm. We're only capturing their input into the game that they're playing. And the platform is agnostic to the game as it is agnostic to the data and algorithm. So we have games that are what you would consider a casual game. You, you're, you're breaking a block or you're, or you're matching something in a row all the way to a first-person shooter, which is more typical to a teenage boy might play that. But I will say something in general about the gaming industry is it's almost 50% women and men now. Mm. Uh, and 
there games are for everyone uh and so uh we do know we know those stereotypes while they might have been true at one point uh 20 years ago uh are no longer the case and i will add to that the developers demographics on developers are no longer skewed toward men only uh and there are a lot of different voices and and products that are being developed that are addressing uh, a more diverse uh, uh, you know, gamer base than than there have been in the past. So it's never games are. If you go to a, a gaming conference, it's almost equal men women now. Uh, yeah. So it's really games are for everyone. When I started making casual games, our growth market was thirty five to sixty five year old women, uh, and that was one of the fastest growing markets. Uh, and it has a lot to do with parents wanting to also engage with their children and yeah. play games with them. So it's a, games are uh, very versatile when it comes to the the value proposition that they can give back to the individual, and especially when it comes to bonding with our children. Yeah. When the Tetris movie came out, all my nostalgic feelings came through, and I actually went and downloaded Tetris again. Oh, uh, yeah. Because, like, it brought back so many great memories. So, yes. The first sure. game we all played on the PC, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Or even, like, Pong and Space Invaders. <laughs> I'm dating myself. Um, so let's switch gears a bit because... As an innovator, and you're inventing things, and what would you say is kind of like the best piece of advice you've ever gotten in your career when it came to looking at things differently, challenging status quo, inventing new ways of working? Yeah, I, I you know, that's a great question. There's so many answers. Um, I think the idea of exploration is super important, uh, being able to have time to explore ideas, iterate on those ideas, build on them. We've had incredible investors invest in our company that have been patient with us to be able to build uh, what is is this big vision that most people didn't quite get their heads wrapped around at first. So when you would say, we're going to use games to help drive medical research faster and further than it has they're like what how is that possible that takes a lot of faith and so you have to have and you have to so, so you have to surround yourselves mm -hmm. with other people who buy into the vision who believe in what you're doing who are willing to come on board especially with startups it's often hard to find really qualified talent and people we had a number of people leave their companies that they ran to come join us um, and that's really about, I think that's really the most valuable thing is get everyone aligned to the same vision. And while you don't know every single step you're going to take when you're trailblazing or you're doing something super innovative, you have to have people who believe in the destination and, and be able to uh, see it and then know that all the steps that we're taking are just part of the process. I want to pause real quick here and give a special shout out to one of our sponsors, CG Infinity. I've worked with them for several years now, and I can truly say that they have one of the best workplace cultures that I've ever experienced. And they specialize in a variety of industries, especially energy, utilities, and financial services. And they serve them through their Salesforce, cloud, as well as customer experience services. So thank you, CG Infinity, and I hope you'll support them as they have supported us here at the podcast. How do you make people believe? I, 
I don't know if you can make anyone believe. Uh, you can be, you know, you have to continually talk about the vision with everyone, and you have to listen to their their view of it as well, and and their insights. And you have to, you know, I think that's really the best way to get people to align is is to have everyone bring their their view of something to the table, and we all have a, a discussion. I I'm from Louisiana, and a lot of our people that we are part of our company are as well. And we have this thing called gumbo that we make. And gumbo is this, you know, yeah. a lot of things can go into gumbo right. and it has a very unique and, and delicious uh, flavor. And I think that's a lot of times where you have really good teams is they're, they all bring something, a different spice or a different view or a different ingredient. And they all are bringing that from a genuine place and you have to uh, accept it and you have to put it in the gumbo or, or it, have it as part of the mix. And then that allows you to create something really unique that uh, your team can buy into. I love that analogy. Yeah, because gumbo is so like rich and dense, right? Yeah. So it's like got all these like layers to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you ever hit a very low point in creating this business? And how did you kind of navigate out of that? And that's a great question, and especially considering we just came out of a, a you know a lockdown, a pandemic, um, and we, um, and so I guess the the you know the from a business point of view, you know, always raising capital is always a struggle. Being able to you know tell your story, raise the capital, find people who believe in that, you know, there were days where it's like you know we didn't ever worry about how something was going to be done, or we didn't worry about the money. We always knew it was going to come when it needed to. Um, but I think the thing that we, we also had to do is we had to keep leaning into the vision, even when things were tough, we didn't, we didn't, um, we didn't want to like lose faith because we, we knew we were onto something special. Um, and so even when, uh, even when COVID happened, uh, the, we had, we had built this piece of technology that could connect computational biology, these properties for cancer research. And when COVID happened, one of our partners was like, we need to be jumping on that. We need to be, a, we, we need to be the company that helps find a solution to this. And so we're like, it was like, at that point, it's like, like, what does that mean? Like everyone, is, is so, there was so much turmoil that was happening around this, you know, just survival was one of those things. And, you know, all of a sudden we have more investment coming in during COVID uh, we had, we had, uh, because we are a company that was doing medical research around this, once we had the FDA approved compounds for the COVID uh, mm. research, within three days, we had had our first hit on the a potential compound that could be uh, a cure or treatment, not necessarily a cure. Uh, and so we leaned into the problem. We leaned in, we didn't buckle down and let's ride the storm out. We went headfirst into the storm. And it advanced our technology. It advanced our team's belief in what we were doing. It advanced the the faith of our investors that we were going to be the right team to actually accomplish the goals that we had set out to accomplish. And I think too many people get afraid and get scared. We all do as, as entrepreneurs. There's time you just want to curl up and be in the fetal position. But really, it's about just keeping in the mindfulness that you're actually meant to do this and your team is meant to do this. And you're going to accomplish this goal uh, that you're working toward because it's it's what you're meant to do. And that's the mindset that we continually uh, maintain is we're the team that is meant to do this work. When you have to pitch 
to investors or enroll other organizations into your vision in that pitching in that enrolling any kind of tips you would have for other people that want to pitch their ideas or enroll people into their vision yeah, I you know I was never one that was comfortable pitching, and I have become that person mm -hmm. uh, over the years because I had to. Uh, so I think part of it is just you know you have to believe that uh, the people who need to hear the message and that are the right investors are going to hear what you have to say and they're going to resonate with you. Um, there's going to be a lot that don't, and be okay with that. Uh, be okay with the no's. Uh, just know there's yeses coming. Uh, is one thing. How do you other, keep that faith, though? I, I have great partners who all uh, all believe that way. Mm -hmm. So the your your tribe, your partners, the people who are with you, are continually uh, lifting you up. And and the other thing is like just try to put yourself in front of the right people. Like you know, don't don't shotgun your your uh, what you're trying to do. Really be uh, have precision and have uh, certain strategy around the right conversation with the right person and really just be genuine when you're in front of them really it really uh share your vision and why you're doing it why it's important how it's going to generate wealth and value for for the investor and for the people you're working with and and address their concerns uh in their and their perspectives uh whenever you have that opportunity to be in front of them whether it be an investor or a potential customer you really want to speak to how your solution is going to address their their problems and and their friction points uh, and that's been that's really been how we've been successful at what we've been doing got it what would you say is kind of the most rewarding thing that's happened so far in your business so the 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 most rewarding thing was we built this game called the eight cell where you can go in it simulates going inside the body and fighting cancer and fighting disease and so it was the original vision of our uh, of our founding one of our founders carl Aparus, who had been in the weight loss business for years, and he uh, was trying to speak to children around uh, around uh, eating healthy and, and what's really happening inside your body. He uh, had the idea, and he first found me through a mutual friend uh, to make a game where you go inside the body and you could fight disease and, and learn about disease. So we had built this demo so that we could show that we could create a simulation of something that was medically grounded and at the same time, we had an algorithm running underneath that was reverse engineering the gene regulatory network. So while you're playing, you're helping your cycles of your computer are helping solve this problem. And um, there was a, a, a Make-A-Wish, was a great organization here in Dallas and all over the country. Uh, they had a young boy, his name is Jimmy. He was he had terminal brain cancer. And it was like they thought, you know, Jimmy's rush wish was to like he was going to die. And so Jimmy... Uh, his wish was super simple. His wish was he wanted to go to a game studio, ask them to build a game where he could kill cancer. Oh, like, it's like, you know, why is this happening to me? I want to take, you know, the power dynamic back. I want right. to like, awesome. Be the one in control. Yeah, totally. Right. So we had built that demo and we surprised him. So he didn't just ask for his wish. He actually got to play the game. And so it was it was super moving, and I, I, I almost cry every time I talk about it because it's, it's still like, yeah, it meant a lot to our team. 
it galvanized our mission because that was how we described our company. It's like kids in cancer wards are going to play our game and they're going to be helping with the research, the actual research. And so Jimmy played the game and he's like, they had to carry him up with a wheelchair, set him up from the computer and he's, and he's killing every cancer node. He's like, he's, he's like, he's going from this crouch position to this upright position. He's, and, and we tell him, it's like, you're really helping, you know, with medical research. You're really helping kill the cancer. It's not just a game. And he was like, what? And he stopped playing. He's like looking around. I was like, what? I'm really helping? Like, and then he just made it even that much more determined. And he, he ran down the stairs of the studio instead of walking, like being carried up. He was physically energized from this experience. And he went from having, you know, no understanding of what was happening in his own body to having at least some context through the simulation that he was playing. And for him, now he is killing the thing that's trying to kill him. He can, right. he can contextualize it. He can see it. He would lay in bed at night, his mom would say, and he would visualize killing cancer, uh-huh. killing his own cancer. Uh-huh. And so just like we train professional athletes uh, to not just go shoot a thousand shots, we train them to shoot 200 and then visualize shoot, you know, making another 800 we don't know what the brain is capable of. We believe that we can simulate things that reinforces uh, this positive uh, thought, and it will change how you know we see our own health and maybe uh, create a new tool or technique that allows us to pair it with treatments and have better outcomes. We want to study this. We want to know uh, if this is correct, and because there's something to it. And Jimmy, who was a terminal cancer patient, he I just went to his three-year cancer-free party. Oh, like it was like how beautiful, absolute miracle. And we don't know, like, like did the game help? Did the right. visualization help? Did did it add some? Component? It certainly raised his morale. It raised his morale. Yeah. It allowed him to um, to really take that power dynamic back and be able to change it. And and we built him a computer and we had the game at his house. He was the only one who ever got a copy of the game. And, and he played it every night. And so it's, there's something to it. Yeah. There's something to the power of simulation. And then when you add the layer of the human platform to where you, it's not just a simulation that can help you understand what's happening, when you can actually connect it to the actual cancer research and now all the people who are facing this terrible disease, as an example, can now actually be contributing. And so they feel like they're going to make a difference and once again, it comes back down to the individual now, not being, uh, not feeling powerless in their not daily, the victim. not being the victim, mm-hmm. being able to actually contribute to something bigger than themselves. Beautiful. Yeah. So Robert, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? What do you want to be remembered for? Uh, I just, I want to empower people. Like I really think that technology can do that. I think that we can uh, empower individuals, like I mentioned, empower researchers, empower industry, really make, uh, as humans, we, these are tools that we can then, we can leverage to advance humanity in a positive way. So I just want to be, I guess, I don't know if it's about me at all. I think it's just about others. Like, I think empowering other people to make advancements, to make discovery I do believe that's really ultimately what we're doing as a company is giving these tools to people to be able to advance humanity. And I couldn't even begin to uh, visualize all the possibilities that other people are going to come up with. And that to me is really the, the, 
to, I guess if I had to look back, I'd be really proud of that to see advancement uh, of an individual empowerment. And you'd be the enabler. Yeah, the platform is as a, as a, mm. as a way to do that, yeah. Well, thank you, Robert. Thank you for that beautiful story. Thank you for the wisdom and the advice. And for those of you out there, thank you for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, and ring that bell if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're coming at us through one of the podcast platforms, be sure to subscribe and leave us some feedback. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Tech Legacies video podcast with Robert Atkins. Thank you. Thank you. At Tech Legacies, we're all about helping technology professionals grow and succeed in their careers by sharing the advice of top technology executives. If you're looking to take your career to the next level and become a technology executive yourself, we have an exciting program to tell you about. It's called the Tech CXO Excellence Program by Tech CXO Launchpad, and they are our partners. They're offering an immersive, multimodal program developed and taught by current and former CIOs and CTOs who are passionate about building the next generation of C-suite technology executives. And you'll experience a full immersion into the C-suite world and also get to collaborate, network, and experience capstone-style projects with other professionals. And this is all while benefiting from face-to-face -face interactions in person with industry guest speakers. It is exclusively for a new level of C-suite executives and C-level direct reports and second directs who are earmarked for succession planning and career growth. To join their waitlist, register your interests at www.techcxolaunchpad.com. That's techcxolaunchpad.com. This program has everything you need to take your career to the next level.